Hey everybody, this is Wild Bill Wiles, and you are watching the Insider's Edge Wrestling Podcast. The following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Hi everybody, this is former WWE superstar Al Snow. My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge Podcast. Now get on the train. gentlemen welcome to the insider's edge podcast here on the wzwa network i'm your host with the most on the west coast california in fury it is so good to be with you all again and here today tonight for me today for him great opportunity here for me to speak to somebody from one of my favorite i mean obviously one of my favorite wrestling companies that has ever been ecw He's a member or former member of the new Dangerous Alliance. He's wild. He's beautiful. He's Billy Wiles. How are you, my friend? How are you, man? Good to be here. <laughs> Great to have and you, you, bro. Yeah, you, you mentioned like nighttime there. That was my big concern. You're telling me, oh, yeah, we're going to do it at 10 o'clock. I'm like, does he mean 10 o'clock his time or 10 o'clock my time? I was confused until you sent me that text. I was like, all right, we're cool. <laughs> yeah man i'm used to being up really late for these but uh you know i want to make it easy for uh people on the other side of the world to uh to do these interviews because you know i can't expect everyone to be up late at night i i can do that i i'm, I'm able to handle it but some people at this stage i just want to make it comfortable for them and if i'm uncomfortable that's fine um i live in australia i'm used to being uncomfortable uh you know having shower then you get out the shower put your clothes on and then the shower's already ruined because you just walk out into the weather so <laughs> yeah. um so billy thank you so much for being on the show here today uh and as usual the first question we ask everyone on the show is when you were a young man how did you become a wrestling fan um my father uh, my father used I watched used to watch wrestling with my father uh, Sunday uh, uh, Saturday mornings, and uh, my father used you know used to watch wrestling. So I watched wrestling, and I would wrestle with my father. Um, that's how I originally got into pro wrestling through my father. Awesome, yeah, it's always great when I hear uh, those early stories, and uh, there's a lot of bonding with uh, usually sons and their fathers. Their fathers introducing them to wrestling. Mine, my situation was the opposite. Actually, uh, I saw wrestling on television. It must have been 1992. And I was blown away immediately wondering what this amazing thing was. And my dad immediately jumped on it and said, oh, no, 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 no. This isn't this isn't real. It's just it's not this just. Yeah, it's, it's this is garbage, but. Unbelievable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I, you know, watching it with my father I and mean, you were talking about, you know, the in the 70s. Right. Um, so, you know, I grew up on, on that. And, um, you know, that's, that's my earliest memories. My, the first uh, wrestling shows I went to, my father took me. Um, so awesome. that was awesome. Yeah, that's great fun, man. Um, and also I found out in my research that you, uh, in your past, you were a drummer in a band. Uh, <clears throat> I've been in bands as well. So I thought that might be a little road we could go down before we get back into the wrestling. Uh, how did you first really get into, the, into music? You know, did your dad influence you with that as well? And, and what led you to playing the drums? Well, it, it's, it's funny. Uh, I started playing drums when I was nine. Um, and school band, marching band, drum corps, things like that. Um, I only found out after my father passed away in 1999 um, that he was a musician. I never knew he played bass. 
Um, I was actually told uh, by my godfather, who I've really never met since I was a, a, like a baby. Um, I you know, spoke to him at his funeral and he told me all about my father playing bass in a band and everything like that. And uh, something my father never told me. Wow. Um, so I guess I, you know, maybe inherited a little bit of that. But uh, yeah, I, I started playing drums. Uh, I, I was touring in bands um, while I was in high school. Um, you know, uh, we were, I lived in New Jersey. I don't, not, you know, uh, you probably don't know where that is. But, oh, uh, I know. It's kind of like near you. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. About 60 miles south of uh, New York is where I lived. Right. And, you know, 15, 16 years old, I would hop in cars with older guys. We, we would go to Connecticut, play a gig, and I'd be back in the morning and go to school. Um, so wow. that's how I started. I started playing, you know, uh, touring in bands. So oh, that's cool, man. What kind of style of music were you uh, into? <clears throat> I played, I have played in every kind of style of music you could possibly imagine. Back then, of course, I was playing hardcore music. You know, I was in a hardcore band, but I was also in jazz band. I was in marching bands um, at that time. And then um, I was touring with like a nine piece funk band. You know, we had a five piece <laughs> horn line and, you know, we opened up where we toured with uh, like Blind Melon and, um, you know, things, bands wow. like that. Um, we opened for, um, you know, P-Funk All-Stars and, and things like that. So um, all different kinds of music. Um, after my wrestling career, kind of, I stopped doing that in 2003. I went back to music, uh, playing hard rock. Um, I was actually in, a, in an oldies group touring, doing uh, doo-wop shows, um, which was the most fun I've ever had playing any type of music in my entire life. And uh, that was a really great experience. Wow, that's amazing, bro. Like, you know, <laughs> your Wikipedia article doesn't give it enough credit. It just says, oh, he played drums <clears throat> in bands before he was in wrestling. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't know who wrote that. Really? <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've seen that Wikipedia um, page, and I don't know who. They had me winning a lightweight title. I haven't been a lightweight uh, since I was a freshman in high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, whoever wrote that, it was uh, probably high. Okay, I can imagine, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it doesn't give you the credit that you really deserve. Yeah, that's quite an accomplished uh, performer there, being able to do so many different genres. Uh, and one other thing before we get into the wrestling talk is, you know, do you have any funny or horror stories about being in, you know, the music business, uh, touring, something had to happen at some point? Oh, there, you know, it's funny because you, know, you compare being on the road with a band and then being on the road wrestling. Yeah. You know, and I, I remember, you know, being an ECW, being on the ring crew, there were six, seven of us in one hotel room at the Red Roof Inn, you know, sleeping on the floor, sleeping here and guys complaining. I'm like, guys, when I was in a band, you know, I remember playing in, in Manhattan and there was, I had a, uh, a small Astro band at, at the time and there was, Two bands uh, was my band and a band called Hogan's Heroes. And I remember, you know, there's six of us, seven of us. We slept in, in a parking lot. I, I used, uh, I slept on the ground. I used those little concrete headers, you know, for the parking space. That was my pillow. We, we slept in the street. And you guys are complaining you're in a, you're in a red roof inn. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we would go, we would go from show to show. And hopefully you would hook up with uh, somebody who would let you sleep at their house. You know, you'd shower, you wake up in the morning, steal all the food you can and uh, be gone before they woke up. And that's how we got from, you know, place to place. And uh, it was awesome. 
Yeah, that is awesome, man. It's cherished memories. And, uh, you know, my friend Kev, he was in a band that uh, they supported Ugly Kid Joe on a European tour and they didn't have anywhere to stay. So Ugly Kid Joe during their set every night would be like, hey, these boys from Australia, they don't have anywhere to stay if anyone can help them out. So they have like all these amazing stories of all these random people that they spent time with and, and stayed yeah. with. And it's people just, think it's you're fun. on, you know, they, they, you're on tour. You're like, oh God, these guys must be staying at the Marriott. No, man, we're sleeping in our van if we, you know, we can't find someone to put us up for the night, you know? So it, it was a lot of, it was, I mean, I wouldn't be able to do it now. I'm 50 years old now. I wouldn't be able to do that now. Um, but back then it was, it was an awesome experience. And it really prepared me for being in professional wrestling, being on the road and what it took uh, to do that. I, I was used to it. You know, I was used to the hardship and only having 10 bucks to get to the next town. I'm like, hey, this is, I got 10 bucks. I'm used to having nothing. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought your know, life as a musician, you're already training at that point to be a wrestler. Uh, so uh, before you know, the wrestling business and, and you decide to get into it, you know, what was your life like? What jobs did you have? Was it just the music thing or did you also work, uh, you know, in, a, in, in, in some sort of place? Oh, I, I've, I've always worked since I was about 12 years old. I've washed dishes. Um, I have, uh, I worked at a, uh, a, a submarine sandwich shop actually on and off my entire life. In fact, I still have a key to the place. Um, I still, I'm still friends with the owner. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I've worked uh, landscaping, uh, construction, um, you name it. I, um, more, more recently, I, I, um, I was a general manager of uh, a gym. Uh, a gym franchise. Uh, now I uh, I sell cars. Ah, cool. Who knows? Who, who knew I'd wind up being a car salesman? <laughs> <laughs> it's just something that came up, and uh, you know I got to pay the bills. But but I have always worked. Even um, there was only a small portion of the, of the time when I was in ECW when wrestling was my only. Maybe about nine years where wrestling was my only job. Right. Uh, I've always had. I've always had two, maybe three sources of income. Even now, you know, I'm a car salesman. I work at a financial company. My wife and I have a travel agency. Um, I started a YouTube vlog. Um, so there's, you know, I'm, I'm always working. Excellent, bro. Got to keep busy. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Now we're getting <clears throat> to wrestling. Uh, what point did you make the decision? Okay. This is something that I've got to do. And is it true you were trained by Larry Sharp? Yes. So, um, I was the, the moment that the switch went off where I'm like, I have to do this. Um, you know, someday I need to be a pro wrestler was I was at WrestleMania one oh. and there I am. And I was a huge Roddy Piper fan. Roddy Piper comes out, the drums are playing, the bagpipes are playing. I'm the only one cheering. <laughs> and I'm like, and you just, and you go back and watch that. I tell some of the, the, the guys I, I coach now, I'm like, go back and watch that match just how amazing it was just the psychology of it and and uh, the electricity of that match they didn't do much at all yeah when they, when, the, when they came together and, and and piper and t were standing there you could just feel it that's what needs to come back to pro wrestling but it was at that moment i'm like i, I gotta be a pro wrestler and i need to be a heel because this is awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I, I grew up, um, I met Balls Mahoney, John Reckner, um, my sophomore year of high school. 
and he introduced me to Chris Candido. He lived next to him. We all went to school in the same area. We all wrestled for our, our schools. I actually wrestled uh, John two, three times a year, um, you know, plus tournaments and stuff, um, you know, before we even became professional wrestlers. Uh, so that's how he, you know, he introduced me, him and him and um, Chris introduced me to the Monster Factory, and Larry Sharp, and then from there. Right. That's, it's just crazy how these things suddenly, uh, <laughs> slowly but surely end up in there. And uh, that's that's awesome, man. I never knew, actually, that uh, Balls uh, did uh, amateur wrestling and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. That's 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 certainly a sight to uh to to think of in my mind. Um, yeah, I have some cool pictures of, of him and I wrest like wrestling each other in high school, and um it it it's it's pretty cool. It's um something I, I still have up. That's great, bro. Um, so tell me about how your experience was training uh in the Monster Factory, and uh, you know, <clears throat> you you're young in the business. You know, how do you first get your you know your feet wet into performing for the first time? Um, well, I was around it. Like, uh, John and Chris, they were wrestling while they were in high school. They were wrestling, um, you know, at, at the monster factory and I would go with them, but I would never get in the ring. I was an amateur wrestler. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to do this, but I was a huge fan. So I always went with them, but I would never get in the ring, never do it. They're come on, come on. No, no, no. It was only a number of years later where John called me and it's like, Hey, can you give me a lift to the monster factory? And I was I had just come off the road with the band, had nothing going on. I'm like, yeah, but I'll give you a ride, but get me in and let me see. And he was excited. He's like, yeah, you want to get in the ring? Awesome. Well, that night, it, um, it was him, um, this guy Gus. I think that the, the headbangers may have been there, uh, Chuck Sloan, and a couple other guys. Um, John that got there early with me showed me how to you know run the ropes how to protect myself tuck my chin things like that then those guys got there and beat the the living crap out of me can we curse on this yes i'm from australia can, you can all say right. any fucking words you want I, i'm i'm from jersey so like fuck is like an adjective <laughs> <laughs> so they beat the living shit out of me for about two hours i mean they they superplexed me six times in a row like i was just a beanbag for these guys um i'm laying on the outside of the ring uh, my lip is busted open. My nose is bleeding. My earlobe was torn from my head. And I'm just laying there, just a mess. And Larry Sharp, who I've known, walks over to me and says, kid, have you ever met Larry Sharp? Ever seen? Have you ever? <laughs> the way he talks, he has a cigar in his mouth. He's like, kid, <laughs> if you make it back next week, you don't have to pay me a dime. And if he would have just walked by, I probably would have never come back to pro wrestling. Um, but he said that I'm like, well, fuck you. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not giving up. Um, so I didn't get out of bed for like two days. Um, and I made it back next week and I, I started training right from there. And I had my first, uh, my first match, um, about two months later. And it was, um, it involved me and John, uh, John was wrestling as the, um, a Buddhist Singh. Uh, he would come out and breathe fire and, um, and all that stuff. So I was the necromancer or whatever, you know, right. and um, it was Johnny Rods and, um, and Jungle Jim uh, McPherson. And um, I was, you know, that, that, that was my first uh, pro wrestling match. And Johnny Rods beat the crap out of me like he owed me money. Um, but I, I guess to see, you know, if this young kid would, uh, would come back. And uh, I never gave up. I kept coming back. 
Ah, brilliant, bro. Uh, so my research also tells me through 1994, 95, and 96, you wrestled through Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, uh, and New Jersey as the Nomad. Is that correct? I did some. Um, mostly it was Wild Bill. I was Wild Bill Wiles. Okay, okay. Um, I, I, I see what, ha- what happened is uh, John had just come back from Smoky Mountain. He was wrestling as uh, Boo Bradley, uh, but he also did a Buddha Sing. Up, up in the Northeast here. So uh, I was traveling with him. So if I was going to wrestle John um, as Boo Bradley or whatever, I would wrestle as a nomad in a hood. Okay. And I could, ta- I could tag with John as Wild Bill or the Necromancer. So I wrestled, you know, all at the same time, Wild Bill, Necromancer uh, with the hood as the nomad, things like that. Okay, cool. I'm just, uh, these are the questions early on where, you know, I start to clear up uh difficulties in my research because some websites that I look at they just don't have the correct information so now I know a little bit more about what's going on you 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 always back then yeah back then it was great because a a lot of guys would you you when you're first starting out you'd get a lot of experience because you could wrestle under the hood as you know the nomad and then go back out later on you know with a different pair of tights as wild bill I'd get you know I'd get to wrestle twice in the night I wouldn't get paid twice but I got that experience. <laughs> I got that ex- extra experience, which I think a lot of these these kids today are, aren't getting. They are not yeah. getting that experience, you know. And um, it was it was a great time to to break in uh, wrestling down in Maryland uh, for MEWF, which is uh, Maryland Championship Wrestling. Now I got to meet a lot of the guys that you know I'm, I'm still friends with to this day. Uh, you know, uh, Steve Carino. Um, I met Axel Rotten there. Um, a lot a lot of great guys were in that in that area, and uh, it was great. Uh, that's awesome, man. And yeah, you know what? You are right about that. Uh, you know, young guys these days don't have the opportunities to work more often and work several times a week. You know, here in Australia, for example, there's wrestling companies in every state. We've actually got, I think, three in our own state. And these guys probably only get to wrestle once every, in front of a crowd anyway, once every six to eight weeks um, because it's just not feasible to do it on a weekly basis. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And that's the important thing in front of a crowd. You yes. can you can wrestle a thousand matches at at the school or, you know, wherever, but you have to be in front of a crowd. Um, that's where you learn. You know, you 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 learn how to work the crowd. Um, these kids today, you know, they, they're so um, they're so used to being in the locker room and putting their match together. A, B, C, D, E, mm-hmm. F, G, H. And if they miss, you know, D, they go back to D because they didn't hit it. And then when the crowd would they, the crowd should dictate when you go home and they're not listening to the crowd. You're too worried about it. You know, the crowd's here ready to go home and you still got, you know, GF, you know, whatever. And then you do two more things. Then you go home and then the crowd's like, you should have went home. You're not listening to the crowd. So again, that, you know, working two nights a week, three nights a week in front of a crowd, you know, and a couple, you know, a few times a night you know if you're doing three shows back then we're doing three shows a week and i got to wrestle two times uh each show i I got six matches in front of people i really learned how to work with the crowd and that's what they're missing today yeah i agree man uh you know i I wrestled in a back back in about 2010 to 2014 and it used to really uh, blow my mind that a lot of the guys would just map out every single second of the match. But then when someone would be wrestling me, I'd he'd be like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. Like, let's figure out the finish and then we'll just go out there and just 
do it. And they'd yeah. be like, what? Like, but I can't do it that way. And it's like, trust me, it'll be fine. Like, and then I'd have a match with someone and uh, I'd tell them that it's time to go home. And then afterward, they get mad at me and be like, you know, I had all these different moves that I needed to hit. And I'm like, no, dude, could you hear the, we had the crowd right there at that perfect point. That's when it needed to end. You can't, you can't do that. That's so that's for me. Like I liked improvising. I preferred that. Yeah. I, I could not sit there and I couldn't memorize 15 <laughs> spots. I just, I just, that's just not me. So anyway, I just, at I least not in, in an order. At least not in like in like when when I would wrestle um, at the Master Factory with some of our students, you know, I we, they would have these spots. I'm like, okay, well, you know, that spot, this spot, you know, four or five spots, and I would I would let them know, okay, keep them in your pocket. We'll go out there with with no framework, you know, we know what the finish is going to come in, and then if the crowd dictates it, then you pull that that spot out, then you hit that spot, and then if you don't hit the, all these spots, nobody knows you you yeah. didn't get to them. Who cares? Save it for next time. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean to go on a tangent there. I just, you know, no. that's one thing I'm <laughs> passionate about. Um, yeah. So, uh, okay. You're friends with a guy called Balls Mahoney. Uh, at this stage, he's not Balls Mahoney, but twice in the past, we've had, we've had people on the show where I'd need to ask them any stories they have about him being gross. Uh so um, Big Sal told me about how he was eating out of the trash at a Limp Biscuit concert. New Jack told me about how he was uh, eating his own boogers whilst they were uh, driving around from town to town. Do you have any stories of him being disgusting? Yes. Um, <laughs> and being in the position of knowing John a lot, a lot longer than any of those people, you know, knowing John from uh, early high school, um, one of my favorite, it's not really being disgusting. It's just being crazy. Um, and this is, you know, before I was even wrestling, I was supposed to uh, play a show with a band got canceled, uh, you know, big snowstorm. So he calls me up, says, come on over. I'm having a party at my house, go over to his house. And I had just started dating this girl, this girl, you know, she goes to a Catholic high school, Catholic college, you know, and, um, I'm trying to make a nice impression. And I bring her to balls Mahoney's house. So John gets all screwed up. He's, he's wasted. And he gets mad at one of the guys there. He strips down completely naked, grabs a hatchet, and runs after this guy, chases him outside. So John's running through the snow completely naked, <laughs> runs across the street to his neighbor's house, naked in the snow, and stops cho starts chopping a tree down in, with his hatchet in his neighbor's yard naked, screaming, goes, ah. The neighbors come out. <laughs> Police come, <laughs> and there's naked John Reckner with a hatchet <laughs> uh, in his front yard. But uh, on the on the road wrestling, uh, I got to wrestle John so many times. Um, he was just crazy. Um, he did what he wanted to do, and that was that. Um, I remember wrestling. We we did an ECW show in the afternoon, and it was in Belmar, New Jersey, at a bar outside on the, on the beach and you know he's wrestling uh, i forget who he's all you know uh, cut open you know you know we get done there and we all jump in the car and we drive down to maryland we're gonna wrestle in maryland so him and i go out there <clears throat> we get to the show just enough time boom we go right out to the ring 
Now, in Maryland, in that state, there's an athletic commission, and you are not allowed to bleed. If there's any little bit of blood, they stop the match. The commissioner, they don't do any of that. So we're going. John's got these fresh cuts. He says, open me up. I'm like, I'm not opening you up. He's like, open me up. So I'm like, okay. I just start punching him in the head, and he starts bleeding all over the place. The commissioner sends down the word, cut the match. John's like, no. I'm like, John, we got to go home. No. F you, F this, boom, boom, boom. The commissioner comes down. Now the commissioner rings the bell. I'm standing there like an idiot. John's yelling now, full of blood, yelling at the commissioner, who was like a 85-year-old man about how he can't get an erection anymore. He's just jealous. He's screaming, and I just kind of slink away. <laughs> and uh, John lost his license. Um, he didn't get it back until he actually worked for WWE. They got it back for him. That's uh, date. <laughs> but yeah, he was crazy. He was, cra- I got so many, so many crazy stories of being on the road, uh, driving with him. I have actually videos that I'm, I'm going to put on YouTube soon of some of our trips and things I have on tape. I've waited a long time um, just because there's a lot of backstage stuff, you know, and because of kayfabe, I didn't want to put them up, but now yeah. I, I, you know, I'm going to put them up. Oh, that'd be fantastic to watch, man. I love stuff like that. There's a lot of gems out there. I think there's a lot of uh, old backstage footage from one of the old Great American Bashes where uh, all the guys are just, I don't know what's going on with them, but something obviously. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. It's like the last, that? Day of the, last day of the tour and they're all like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a fun video. <laughs> I think Arn Anderson even pulls a brown eye to the camera at one stage. It's ridiculous. <laughs> It's a good video, yeah. <laughs> uh, so please tell me, Billy, about how the opportunity came about to be involved with Extreme Championship Wrestling. I just happened to um, make the drive one day with John. I'd been around um, that locker room a bunch of times. Um, John was working there for about a year um, at that point. And uh, I knew everybody that was there. I was friends with Axel, friends with uh, Chris Candido, you know, all those guys um, coming up to the Northeast. That's where, that's where a lot of the ECW guys came from was this Northeast area. So I knew all those guys. So I'd go to a lot, you know, hang out and stuff like that. Um, one day, um, John's like, hey, can make the trip up to uh, Boston with me. I'm like, okay. And you always have your gear with you, you know, I threw my gear in. And uh, I was sitting in the locker room in Waltham, Massachusetts. And the booking table is like 10 feet from us. And they're all sitting around. It's, it's Paul, it's Tommy Dreamer, Taz, Bubba Ray Dudley, Chris. And, uh, and you know, they're, they're doing whatever. And then they all stop and they kind of look at me. I'm like, oh, shit, what did I do? Like, I'm just sitting here, man. What, what the fuck? And they're like, you got your gear? I'm like, yeah. They're like, all right, you're going to work Axel Rotten. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I've worked Axel before a bunch of times. So I'm comfortable. So I get my gear, put it on. And um, went out, worked Axel. He, he hit me with this uh, move. I don't even know. They have these weird names for everything nowadays. But uh, basically, I you know, lean back, picks my head up, picks me up, you know, and, and kind of drops me. He only wanted me to jump up about this far and drop me. Well, I overcompensated because I was excited. Jumped <laughs> straight up like, like a suplex. And then he came straight down on my head, you know, he, he took care of me. I was fine, but it looked like I died <laughs> and, you know, being brought up by Larry and in the business, I know like the whole place 
was like, oh my God, he's dead. So I'm like, I'm selling this. I'm not going to get up and just roll out and walk to the back. So I laid there like I was dead. I made somebody come out and pick me up, carry me to the back. Well, Paul Heyman thought I was dead. I got to the back. I stood up. I'm like, cool. Hey, thanks, Axel. He's like, what the hell was that? And he's like, you got a job. You're hired. Wow. That's how I got my job. Brilliant, bro. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, that was the 25th of April, 1997 at the IBEW Hall. Uh, yeah. So that's, uh, wow. So it just happened to be there by happenstance. And then the next thing <clears throat> you, know, you get to wrestle someone who I think is one of the most uh, underrated technical wrestlers in history, Axel Rotten. They all think back to the uh, Taipei Deathmatch. He was so much more than that. Um, oh, Absolutely. I- I wanted to like kind of go through your first five matches in ECW, just bit by bit. If there's a story call, cool. if not, that's fine. We can move on. Second uh, of May, 1997, uh, Asbury Park Convention Center, Louis Spicoli. Uh, how was that experience with Louis? And do you have any Louis stories? As we haven't had anyone have the chance to tell any stories about him yet. Um, I really don't. I didn't travel with him. I, you know, um, he ran with a different. Um, you know, crowd in ECW than I did. Um, he was a great guy. He was great to me. Um, wrestling him, you know, I'm, I'm just new guy. He could have taken advantage of me. He didn't. Um, he really worked. He really knew his psychology. He knew that, you know, if he just went out there and beat me up, it wouldn't mean anything. So we went out there and we had a, a pretty competitive match. It's my hometown too. It was pretty cool. Um, and uh, yeah, he was great to work with. A lot of give and take. We had a good time light as a feather um really great guy to me never was uh anything but good to me awesome bro um so then the next one 8th of may 1997 at the lost battalion hall in new york city you take on balls uh you know we, we don't need to go anywhere with that we've already heard a bit about balls so far uh 16th of may 97 against stevie richards at the pepsi international building in syracuse new york uh, I don't think Stevie's there for much longer. I think 97, 98 is she moves on to WCW, but uh, mm-hmm. any memories of that one? Um, I think that was like a, um, like a, uh, oh, it was like almost like a market kind of place. It was like a big, um, oh, it was, it was a weird, weird building. I remember. And um no, we just had a technical, uh, a good technical match. I remember a lot of arm drags going back and forth. Um, and I remember um, he wanted me to hit him with the, uh, the the stun gun before he actually hit me with a stunner. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I remember the only thing he said, because he just had an injury to his, his nose, like he broke his nose or something. Um, he was just like, you know, be careful of my nose. And uh, I'm like, Okay. And uh, we, 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 worked, we worked a couple times, but um, yeah, he was always good to work with, always fun to work with. Excellent, bro. And I, and I actually replaced, kind of replaced him in the BWO for a little bit. Like, a lot of people don't know this. Really? Um, so, yeah. So when he left, um, they threw me out there with uh, Meanie and Nova. You know, I'm Wild Bill and I'm, I'm a heel and whatever. And so I go out there a couple times with them because I'm, I'm very good friends with Brian and, 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 and Mike. And uh, I'm like, Paul, I don't, I don't fit in with these people. Why do you keep putting me out there with them? You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a heel, I'm wild bill. I'm like, I don't understand. You know, he's like, you're funny. Don't just go be funny. I'm like, okay. So that night I went out there and I used to break dance. I could break dance. I'm actually a very good break. <laughs> so I went out there, I started break dancing 
And I think that was in um, also in Revere, Massachusetts that night. I started break dancing and it was hilarious. And he's like, that's it. Do that. I became Boogaloo Bill Wiles for a very <laughs> short for a very short period of time with the BWO. Um, but the uh, the end of that was Nicole Bass um, screw, uh, went to hit me with a power bomb, botched it, dropped me on my head, broke three of my ribs, oh, um, shit. Put, put me out of commission for a little while. And then that's when Nova and Meanie kind of went that way. And uh I was put there but uh, yeah for a little little little, tr- little trivia for you yeah fantastic <laughs> see I, I i had a feeling that doing this fight first five matches thing might end up in us branching off into something that i wasn't expecting so that is awesome i love those little tidbits of information uh you work balls again the next day at for the buffalo invasion at the flick flickinger center in buffalo yeah yeah uh, flickinger center yeah yeah great uh, building great building yeah awesome yeah man. i love that um, building and of course, for me, I watched this earlier today. Uh, it was, you know, the big one for you, uh, the 26th of July, 1997. I'm sure there was something that happened before that, but TV debut for Hardcore TV, you take on Sabu. And uh, this to me, also, I was Also like, in Buffalo. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> okay, so he, he, go, he puts you on the table on the outside. He does a springboard. Leg drops you, the table doesn't break, goes back in the ring, doesn't even touch the chair, just jumps straight over the ropes, leg drops you. The table still doesn't break, but the leg does. And then he finishes you off with the uh, the camel clutch. And then after the match, RVD does a drop kick into a chair, which has been held by Bill Alfonso. And as he drop kicks, the chair kind of turns sideways and it looks like it just smacks you straight in the face. So it looked like a really hard day at the office, but what's your memory of that one? <laughs> that match, yeah, I, I remember a lot about that match. Um, I, I think I, that was the match. Um, it was the first time I worked Sabu. Um, the, the funny Sabu, going back, a little side Sabu story. The night I got my job in ECW in Waltham, Massachusetts, I was feeling good. I was like, oh, I got a job. Wow, this is amazing. We all go back to the hotel. We're all going to watch um, the ECW show on TV. One o'clock in the morning, it comes on. So we're all at the hotel. So we, me and John go down to this room. Everyone's in there. <laughs> Sabu grabs me and throws me against the wall. And he's like, because in the match, I, I, I gave um, uh, Axel a, a shoulder tackle. And then I went to hit the ropes. Instead of turning and running towards the ropes, I kind of just kind of backed into him. He throws me against the wall in this hotel. He's like, you ever fucking do that again? I swear to God, I'll fucking kill you myself. I'm like, holy fucking shit. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> so that was my introduction to Sabu. <laughs> and now here I am. I'm going to work him. Um, and, you know, he, I, I think I gained his respect in the beginning of that match. Because if you look at that match, in the beginning of the match, we do a couple things. He gets the chair. He holds it over his head. And he kind of hesitates. And what he's telling me is back, you know, back up, back up. And I'm telling him, hit me, hit me. Because in my mind, I'm like, you haven't done anything. Why should I be afraid? So there's a hesitation. I, I say, hit me, hit me, hit me. He goes, fuck it. Boom, he hits me. I take a bump. He, you see him look over at Bill and go, this fucking kid's crazy. <laughs> so then I get up again. He holds a chair. And then I back away. And then he does a thing. And then later on that night, he's like, why'd you do that? I'm like, well, you didn't do anything with it yet. I wasn't, you know, why would I be afraid of it? He's like, ah, I like that. Ah, so okay. I, I think I got a little, you know, but in that match, yeah. Um, the, the goddamn table, <laughs> the, 
the ring crew bought the wrong size tables. Oh shit. <laughs> they they brought they bought the smaller table. Um it's like the six foot instead of like the eight foot ones. So it's more, you know, it's more sturdy. So I remember him hitting that boom. And I'm like, oh God. So all I hear from Sabu was like, fuck, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed there. I see him come over, boom, hits me again. And then we kind of just slide. Yeah. And I'm like, my chest is I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. So he's like, fuck it, take it home. So we go back in. <laughs> That we take it home. Now Bill's there with, with a chair holding it in front of my face. And I'm kind of unprotected. I'm like, what are we doing? He's like, don't worry. And if you look at that video at the last second, when, when Van Dam comes in, you'll see Sabu's hand turn like, boom, like that. I never, never touched me. Really? Okay. Yep. Yeah. You'll, <laughs> you'll see Sabu's. If you watch it closely, you'll see Sabu's hand just turn. All right. He was oh, amazing. Wow. And I'm scared to death because I'm like, what is going to happen to me right now? Because my face is up. My arms are here. There's a chair in my face. And here comes Van Dam running at me. But uh, he took care of me. And I, I worked Sabu a bunch of times. Always took care of me. Um, always light as a feather. Amazing. Amazing, bro. Wow. Because I only watched that match about mm, maybe about an hour ago. And I was like, surely that, that, that. But, you know, now I know he, he protected you. Um so I know it's always difficult for a talent working shows in front of the ECW crowd and they might not know who you are. So you really got to prove yourself from the get-go. How did the fans receive you from day dot? And, you know, how did that uh, relationship between you and that hardcore audience uh, evolve over, as time went by and as you maybe would have gained some of their respect for what you did? Um, I think that match with Sabu got a lot of respect for me. Um, you know, cause they, the, the ECW fans were smart. They knew, and you could take that beating and keep on coming. You start to gain their respect. Um, Buffalo was, um, was, um, the guys used to make fun of me. Cause every time we go to Buffalo, somebody had a wild bill sign or something like that. Um, cause every time I would be in Buffalo, I would have a great, you know, a match with balls, Mahoney, Sabu, Raven, you know, um, so it, over time, you just you just got to do what you do, and you'll win them over. Um, just you know, just be good. Just be good at what you're doing. They, they can they can they can smell shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, they're smart, and uh, they know. And uh, it was it was you know once once you were in their uh, you know in, to their liking, you were in you were in for life. You know, you're you're one of them. Absolutely, bro. Uh, the next few months, uh, uh, you know, as time wears on, uh, we get to 1999. Uh, you work a lot of house shows. Actually, you know what? This isn't making any sense. Uh, you work on hardcore TV in July of 97, but then the next part, all I can see is that you're doing house shows in 1999. Was there a little bit of a gap of time there at all? Um, no, um, I was working house shows the whole time. There was a bit, uh, where, like I said, I got injured, um, okay. and, and I was like ringing the bell. They had me, I was like the evil timekeeper on TV, okay, right. um, just to keep me on the road being, you know, getting a paycheck, um, while I convalesced. Cause I had, uh, you know, two broken ribs on one side, one on the other side. Um, I sternum, I hurt my neck. Um, so I was out for for a while okay um, cool and then they didn't kind of have a place for me so i was ringing the bell 
uh, being the evil timekeeper, you know, uh, just to be paid, still working shows. And, that, and that's how we kind of uh, got into being teamed with, you know, CW. All right. You see, on this show, I leave no stone unturned. So when I see a little bit of gap somewhere, and I, like I just realized then, I got to know. So thank you for the information. Now I can sleep tonight. Uh, <laughs> in 1999, you start working a lot of house shows with Steve Carino, Tom Marquez. Uh, and of course, you work a match against CW before a team is formed where um, <laughs> you you both work with uh Doring and Rogue Kill and excellent balls a lot until the end of 1999 before I guess the team is brought onto television. So can you please tell me a little bit about, you know, uh, whose idea it was to put you with CW and, you know, how those first few months worked out, you know, before it brought yeah. onto television? Well, the thing is before, before the shows, we would always train. And we'd all work out together. You know, a lot of the younger guys. Um, Tracy Smothers used to bring us to workouts. He would help us out a lot. Um, and then, you know, whoever would be there would, would help us. Um, and I got to work out with CW a lot. And him and I had the same kind of philosophy, same kind of psychology, uh, the same people we admired, you know, in, in the business. And we really kind of clicked. I'm like, man, we should, you know, work together. They had us wrestle each other. Um, it was in Pennsylvania somewhere, I think, um, some weird place but uh it was funny because um because axel was supposed to come out at, at the end of that match and just hit us both with the chair and then they go do what they do but i remember i uh i shot on cw on our first match <laughs> he uh yeah we did um the headlock takeover series and um you know i i take you over head scissors kick out you take me over blah 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 so it was, um, I was supposed to feed for the second, you know, I kick out, I turn around to feed for the headlock. Well, he starts feeding into the headlock again. We bonk heads and out of instinct, I just hooked him and shoot, you know, threw him, took him over, put him in a hold. I'm like, oh shit, sorry. <laughs> so I kind of shot on him the first time we wrestled each other, uh, which is funny. I didn't hurt him or anything, but um, it took me a second. I was like, oh, sorry, dude. All right. Well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, me and CW got along great. Um, it, it was actually Supernova, uh, Mike Bucci, who, um, who put us together. He went to Dreamer and was like, these guys, you know, they should definitely be together. Uh, we did some tag stuff in, in, before the workouts, uh, you know, during the workouts for the shows and um he did i think it was in uh florida awesome. uh, where he put us together the first time and it was it clicked with the same philosophy you know work a body part tell a story um you know things like that which in ecw you didn't see a lot of so yeah and for those playing at home that match between you two took place in a in a place called lebanon pennsylvania yeah yeah <laughs> that building oh my god it was uh you walk in that building and there's like pictures of like uh cattle that was sold i guess they used to sell cattle there and wow. we used to get dressed in uh, in the back of the building it was a big auditorium there was a door that went out into like cattle stalls and there was like hay i guess they moved all the animals like two stalls down because you know you're sitting there getting dressed and there's like, be a cow like you know looking at you you're like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> That's that was the locker room in that building. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That was also yeah. the building that Roadkill was created. All right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Because uh, I think it was Al Snow. They used to say he looked uh, Amish. And you know, out in that area of Pennsylvania is where all the Amish are. 
And I think it was Al Snow that went out and got him the, the hat and uh, everything. And then they made him go out there as Amish roadkill. And it kind of stuck. It was at that building, too. That's amazing. See if I didn't mention which uh, which town it was in, then we wouldn't have got that little bit of information. So <laughs> fantastic! Um, a little pat pat of myself on the back there. Well done. Uh, <laughs> first match as a team on Hardcore TV, the nineteenth of February two thousand in Milwaukee. You take on Chris Chetty and Nova, which is what a great tag team to have your your first uh, TV taping match with. Uh, you both get the win here. Tell me a little bit about how you found out you're going to be put with Lou in the new Dangerous Alliance and, <clears throat> and be a part of this thing. It kind of started off as like a rib, um, as kind of like a parody, you know, as because before that, me and CW together, we kind of model ourselves after like, you know, the uh, um, the Andersons, you know, the Minnesota, uh, the Wrecking Crew, we had the black jackets and, and things like that. Um, but then they started that and it was more of a joke, you know, it was more like a rib. All right. We're ribbing Paul, whatever, you know? Um, but then we started getting, you know, they started getting a little serious. And I remember going to Paul, I'm like, this is going to get serious. I'm like, I don't look like Bobby Eaton, man. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not tall, like as tall as him. I don't have blonde hair. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that leg drop off the top because my knees will wind up in the front row. You know, I'm like, what, what do you want me to do? And again, Paul's like, you're, you're creative, man. You know, do stuff. I'm like, I can, I can throw some Elvisisms in. I can be a little flashy. He's like, do that. And he was like, oh, whatever. And he never told me to change or whatever. So I, I kept doing that. Um, but yeah, that was the first um, time where, where I found out like, yeah, all right, this is going to be serious now. No, no more parody, no more, you know, BS. We're going to be a, you know, a force here. And um, it was cool working with CW, probably the uh, most fun I've had in my entire career. Louie is amazing. Uh, unbelievable manager, always there wh where you need him. Never missed a spot, never missed anything. Great on the microphone. Um, he was awesome. Yeah. Absolutely, bro. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I've, I've been sinking my teeth into 2000 ECW in the last uh, six to eight months or so. And uh, I really am impressed with Lou and how he went from sign guy Dudley to Louie dangerously. And he's cutting promos. Like he never really cut promos like that before. And he's doing a really great job. And this thing just starts to build and build and build. And I know you said that I was one of three uh, new dangerous Alliance fans, <laughs> but I, you know, as when I'm watching it back again, I'm like, this is like some great stuff. Uh, and another great moment in this group's history, your pay-per-view debut. This must be so exciting <laughs> for you after all these years, you know, you've been, you've been doing this for you know seven, eight years at this point, 12th of March, 2000 living dangerously. You both beat Doring and Roadkill and Electra joins the group, uh, Tell me a little bit about how exciting that is to be on live pay-per-view there for the first time. We didn't even know we were um, going to be on that pay-per-view. You figure, you know, living dangerously. I'm like, we got to be on this pay-per-view. Me and Sobe are talking like, do, do you know what we're doing? I don't know. What are we doing? I don't know. You know, and then we find out when we get there uh, what we were doing. And um, I think there was something where Doring and Roadkill and Electra they had to be split up for, for one reason or other. Um, I'm, I don't know if there was heat or something between them. Um, so they figured, all right, well, you know, we'll give them to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, she was, you know, 
she was good for us. You know, it was a, it was a good night. It was, it was a good night. We got a win on pay-per-view. The, you know, the pay-per-view was named after us. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, a, f- a funny part about that is if you look at it when um, they go to VTR while during our entrance and then they come back and we're in the ring and you'll see me standing there kind of like, Whew, kind of stand there like this while they're all moving around. It's because as we were getting in the ring, I step into the ring and CW kicked with his heel. The the ring rope hit me right in the balls. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> I'm trying to play it off. They come back live. Louis like walking around and he's starting to talk and CW's there and I'm just like, whoo. <laughs> so a little side note, if you, if you go back and look at it. But it was a fun night. It was a fun night. Um, you know, we went on pay-per-view. It's, uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Good stuff, man. I can't believe he would do that to you on live pay-per-view. It's cruel. <laughs> CW, I mean, it was on purpose. Um, or maybe, I don't know, but he, he wind up hurting me all the time. Um, we, I remember we, uh, we were the opening match in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, and he was working Mikey Whipwreck. And right in the beginning of the match, the dark match was me against Tom Marquez. So I wrestled, beat Tom Marquez. I come through the through the curtain, throw my stuff back on, and go right back out for the opening match. And um, we've been doing a thing where I'll, I'll grab a guy, and CW will come to hit him. He'll duck, and he'll hit me in the head. And he's been hitting me in the ear a bunch of, bunch of times. And right before we go out that night, I'm like, dude, just try not to hit me in the ear. One of these times, you're going to bust my eardrum. He's like, I know what I'm fucking doing. I'm like, okay. We go out there and you see the pay-per-view. He hits me, boom, blows my eardrum out. <laughs> I, my equilibrium's all over the place. I'm, I'm falling down, standing up, falling. I'm trying. I don't know where I am. Um, but yeah, he blew, uh, he blew out my eardrum that night. Um, so many nights been hit with that phone. God, that phone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they put concrete in that thing. But uh Yeah. But uh, nothing on purpose. It was uh, I, I. I never held uh, <laughs> any uh, anything against it. <laughs> no, well, that that phone. It, every time I saw it be used, it ricocheted off people's heads and flew into the crowd. It was like for crying out loud. Um, that I, was actually like those old um, wireless phones you would get for your house with the you know with the antenna and stuff. Yeah, he he would buy them at like yard sales or flea markets, and that was it. He would maybe like you know loosen the screws so if it broke it would fly apart but that thing was a solid that would hurt oh, man <laughs> it did <laughs> um so i want to know your, your thoughts on Electra joining the group and, and what she uh brought to the table obviously there's a couple of things she brought to the table i mean as a teenager two main things when i first saw her and i was like i i didn't know that boobs could move I had no idea that anyone could do that. I, you know, so mind blowing for many teenagers out there, I'm sure. Uh, and a very appreciated part of the act, except, you know, look, I, I understand creating heat to the fans, but to, to keep her in a, uh, in a robe a lot of the time, Oh, that got me, that got me mad. Uh, <laughs> so please t- tell me a little bit about having her a part of the group. That's a great little element to add to the new dangerous Alliance. Yeah, definitely brought a different dimension uh, to the group. Um, you know, brought a lot of more fans uh, to us and got us a lot more heat. You know, we, we would uh, say, oh, you know, 
if we lose this match, uh, she'll take her top off. So we lose the match. We throw a robe over and drag her out. So you don't get to see them. That, that, you know, young, young male adults, that pisses them off, promising them boobs and not giving them boobs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just a different dimension. Um, you know, she brought and, uh, you know, she was used for what, uh, what she was there for. And she was good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, one thing I do find funny is that like, whenever you watch something like that back in the day, you know, a girl is with this group and she's a hot girl or whatever. You just automatically assume, even though, you know, wrestling is, you know, it's a performance and, and all that stuff. You still always think to yourself, who, who is she? You know, she's, she's obviously with one of these guys in the group, but when I watched it, I was like, there's no way Electra's banging any guys in this group. There's just no chance of that. And that's not a knock on anyone. I just thought that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting point in your career. You're on pay-per-view several times. Now you're always on television. You guys have stories going on. So you must be really excited about where this is all heading at this point. Am I right? Yeah, we were we were riding high. We were we were having a good time. Yeah, I mean, uh, the draw was up. Um, we were on TV, on pay per view, having a good time together, traveling the world together. It was um, it was a good time. And uh, you're working a lot with Doring and Roadkill, obviously, as mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me, you know, what's it like working with Doring and Roadkill? Because you know, we always get great <clears throat> responses from people about them. Working with Danny is awesome. Um, Danny was my, one of my best friends in this business. We traveled together. Uh, we drove that ring truck all over this country together, room together. I used to sleep on his floor, um, in his, you know, at his house. Um, you know, to this day, we're still very good friends. Um, working him was great. You know, we didn't have to talk about a lot. We just went out there and did it, and uh, it was great. He was there when you needed him, and light as a feather. Awesome, roadkill. Uh, I'm only gonna. I'm just gonna say he was. He had, he had about three or four things he could do well, and that's what he did. Um, you know, he, he didn't try to do things he wasn't good at, and um, you know, it was he stiff. Yeah, um, I think he took uh, a little uh, advantage of some of the younger guys maybe um, later on. But um, no, we had great matches together. We had we had uh, good heat together, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Cool, bro. Um, yeah, Daddy <clears throat> Doring is definitely a, a bucket list guy to have on the show. I, I, I've seen him do interviews before, and uh, he's he's hilarious and very honest about everything. <laughs> uh, uh, Chili Willie is the next guy I wanted to bring up because uh, we had him on the show, uh, I guess it was late last year, and he also says to say hello. Uh, I talked to him on Messenger, you know, at least once a week. Yeah. Uh, so he said yeah. Yeah, he just friended me on Facebook. Like he'll friend me and then disappear, and then un- then friend me again and disappear, and then friend me again. I'm like, what is this dude doing? Um, but yeah, he just friended me again on on Facebook the other day. I, I love Chili. Chili was great. I got to work um, a great match with him in L.A. Uh, again, a dark match. I was at the king of the dark match, um, <laughs> and uh, I forget what pay per view that was. And, and we had in L.A. I got to I got to work with him in the dark match and we had, a, we had a great match it was so much fun i got to work him a bunch of times a couple times on tv too um i remember one one match in uh, i think it was minnesota um so much fun he's good yeah. good dude real good dude 
Awesome, bro. Yeah, and I think he actually sent you that friend request because I said to him, search for William Wiles on Facebook. You'll find him. <laughs> that's how that happened. Uh, so big shout cool. out to you, Chili. Thanks for uh, being a friend <laughs> of the show. Uh, so before we continue on with your timeline of events in ECW, I just wanted to ask you about, do you have any fun travel lodge stories? Travel lodge stories? Well, travel stories. Um <laughs> listen man i got four kids now uh, <laughs> uh no but uh yeah i mean listen every every night on the road was um could be a story every, every everywhere we went everything we did could be you know um god i'm trying to weed out the ones that i don't really want my wife to know about See, this but, happens uh, <laughs> every time billy every single time i ask this question it's this uh mm, mm, oh who am i going to incriminate <laughs> i don't want to he's married and has a kid now i don't want to say exactly, that about him yeah. uh, <laughs> one of the I'll, I'll go back to bowls mahoney so uh red roof in pittsburgh um pennsylvania this is the famous um focal point story um, that they all talk about. But from my point of view, we were at the building. We're loading up the ring truck. I'm driving the truck. Um, Dan Doring's next to me. We're driving back to the uh, to the hotel. As we're pulling into the hotel, it's Red Roof Inn. So the building is kind of like long this way. You pull in this way, you can drive all the way around out the other side. And as we start to pull in, there's police cars everywhere. There's like 20 police cars. And the first thing me and Dan look at each other and I'm like, is ball staying here? <laughs> sure enough, we pull in. There's Mahoney standing there in Joe Boxer briefs. That's it. Covered in blood, screaming, surrounded by the police. Some of them have their, their weapons drawn. As we start to drive by, everyone kind of looks. He points at us, and we're like, <laughs> we just pulled and we just kept going he's like no guys no 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 <laughs> we just left him like i don't want any part of that shit <laughs> see all these stories you know damn these days everyone has a phone on them that can record stuff and we're missing out on all yes. this stuff because there's no phones back then that can do that just no 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 i am i am so happy that these did not exist uh, <laughs> can you we're imagine? traveling uh, no because none of we'd all be in jail uh, <laughs> now uh, somebody ha used to bring his camera around i'm not going to say who but they had videotapes um of some things and i i i tell them all the time you're gonna burn these things man like, <laughs> it's like you pet if you die like your wife's gonna find these things and we're all going down like you, you he's like i can't bring myself to to, to get rid of these like you have to um but there, there, there is some footage, but um, yeah, it, it, a lot of crazy shit. I'm just glad that there's a reason why these, these kids today just play video games, okay? <laughs> when they're on Absolutely. the road, because this would get them in trouble. <laughs> Hopefully you can all get together just, just in a secret little society in a room, a few beers, put a tape in and be like, okay, all right, let's see this shit. That would be that would be true. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then just get rid of it. <laughs> now, speaking of moments where I wish someone had a uh, a a phone around to to film on on their phone, we ask everyone this story on the show because we want to do a compilation of everyone's point of view from <clears throat> this incident in two thousand. It's Heatwave two thousand, 
And it is the XPW thing where uh, there's a big fight in the parking lot. We've had many sides of the story so far, but I know you you must have been there, Billy. What is your recollection of what happened at Heatwave 2000? Um, that's the that's the night I, I worked Chili Willie. But um, I just remember being in the back, and <clears throat> I was part of the ring crew too. I was like the ring crew foreman. Um, my first wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, she was in charge of all the merchandise at the time too. So, you know, I'm helping them out. I'm do- doing ring crew stuff, running around. And I hear this commotion over by the monitor. I run over, what's going on? See what's going on out front. <clears throat> Starts to break down. I'm like, oh, whatever, you know, and I got to do what I got to do. Next thing I know, I look over, there's a big door, like a load-in door, like a big uh, truck bay door. All I remember is that thing opening up and the XPW guys out there and we emptied out and just left them laying there. <laughs> I remember the door closing and them just laying about. It was like a, a, in, in a flash that the door opened. We, it, these, we all ran out, laid it in and then left and <laughs> closed the door. <laughs> Cause you gotta remember our securities out there too, Atlas security. So they're, you know, they're on our side. <laughs> yeah, of course. So Holy yeah, shit, man. It's just we so... were well versed in fighting the fans. I mean, in, in those early days of ECW, I mean, there were times, uh, you know, in um, Plymouth meeting Armory, you know, riot breaks out. You know, it's like our locker room fighting three thousand uh, fans. You know, uh, we're fighting there. We're, um, you know, shit like that broke out all the time, and we're always fighting, beating up <laughs> fans and, and things like that. So we were well versed when we were ready. this is a crazy shit man like this does not happen anymore in wrestling that's for sure uh Uh, now look as far as i'm concerned things are going really well with the new dangerous alliance but it gets to a point where you end up splitting with cw and i actually watched this back earlier as well uh what was what was your thought process behind uh, finding out that you and CW were, were being split up? I know that they had big plans for him going down the line, but uh, you know, how did you feel about that? Um, I, I mean, I didn't mind being split up. Um, I think they could have did a did it better. You know, but if I was going to book it, I would have us split up. But you know, we need to. Every time a tag team was split up, they would feud to get against yeah. each other. You know, CW left me laying around. You know, I got jumped by a bunch of people. He leaves me laying. And the next time on TV, I'm out in the ring with him. Like, well, what, this is stupid. Yeah. Like, what the fuck am I, what the hell am I doing here, man? Like, so we should be feuding against each other and at least have, you know, um, one go around and a big blow off, you know, yeah. a big feud and a big blow off. And then he can go that way. I can go that way. But none of that happened. It was just like, oh, we split up, blah, blah, blah. And that's that. And, um, I always felt that 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 could have been so much better uh, than it was, but yeah, no hard feelings. I mean, uh, you know, I, I went to do my thing. He did his thing and uh, it was great. Yeah, man. I just, I just as a fan, I just thought to myself, it just, uh, you know, at least do a couple of weeks build on TV for a big match on if, you know, the TNN show was still going or whatever. Uh, just, just to tie off that loose end. And, you know, right. if you didn't have a plan to make the, this big thing that had a blow off on pay-per-view, at least do that just so, you know, beautiful Billy doesn't look like he, okay. I just got like embarrassed in front of the whole world and I don't have a comeback for that. Everyone makes a comeback for that in wrestling. That's how it works. 
but anyway, I just wanted to say yep. that I thought that was an important piece of the story that didn't get yeah, to that was my only beef that it wasn't uh, wasn't finished right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? I mean, I know you said you're 50 years old. I know CW is drinking from the fountain of youth, but <laughs> you know that story can still be tied off in in 2021. <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think my doctor might have a, a word to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, bro. Fair enough. Uh, so you form a team soon after this uh, with the prodigy, aka Tom Marquez, as the sideshow freaks from uh from my research and everything um so how did you feel about being moved into another tag team and and obviously uh your your character starts to evolve a little bit here yeah well it was actually at the arena um the last night that i actually worked with cw um paul took me in the back and he said uh i got you know we're gonna we're gonna do something cool with you uh, i think it's gonna be really great oh, you're gonna be bilvis wesley and you're going to be like an Elvis. Yeah. And to be honest, I was pissed. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, in the beginning of the whole Dangerous Alliance thing, I'm like, I can do some Elvisism. I don't want to be the honky-tonk man. I'm not no. going to do that. Yeah. I don't want to be that. I love the honky-tonk man. And I don't want to I don't want to do that. Um, so I stayed away from having a jumpsuit and all that while I was with the Dangerous Alliance. But now here's Paul telling me, oh, you're going to be Bilvis Wesley. You're going to be Elvis. You're going to do this and you're going to do that. And I'm like, this is the honky-tonk man. Yeah, and I was pit, and I was pissed, and I was, I went out, and I was like, I'm going home, I'm, I'm done, you know, uh, and it was actually uh, Nova was like, you know, talked me out of it. He's like, No, man, you can do this, do it your own way, just come up with, you know, a way to do it different. <clears throat> so he kind of talked me into like, all right, sticking around and kind of doing it. And my, my way was to be, I wanted to be the pilled up, fucked up version of Elvis, like come out pill, pills will fall out of my bed on my, you know, my jumpsuit. Like, oh, oh God, you know, something like that. And then now, you know, they're like, Oh, we can't do that. I'm like, this is ECW, right? <laughs> like, Perfect. I can't, like <laughs> really, I can't do that. But um, so it, it was like this mediocre watered down honky tonk. I, I, I really didn't like it. Um, I love tag team wrestling more than uh, singles wrestling. Uh, so I, I like being in a tag team. Tom Marquez was one of the uh, House of Hardcore uh, kids. Um, so it, it was it was cool. Um, they used to put a lot of different guys with me. A lot of guys from down in um, Shawn Michaels camp. Uh, they put yeah. all those guys, all those guys with me, uh, which was really cool. Those guys were great. Um, but uh, I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I had a lot of great ideas that got shot down uh, with it that I thought would have been pretty cool. But uh, it is what it is. It was at the end of that, you know, end of the ECW's run, and it is what it is. Yeah, I understand, bro. Um, so uh, as we're talking about getting to near the end of ECW, was there anything that you started to notice yourself from your point of view where things didn't seem like they were going too well? I know there was a lot of hate with TNN, but uh, was there anything that you noticed? Yeah, my paycheck stopped uh, cashing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that was the main thing um yeah i mean at the end you know you're not you're not your your paychecks are bouncing or um you know oh we don't have paychecks this week we'll, we'll get them to you um maybe next week we'll, we'll we'll mail them to you you know and you're like you know man here i am on the road you know spending money doing this doing that and um a lot of us knew what was going to come you know we didn't drink that kool-aid um you know, I remember the last night at the Hammerstein Ballroom, you know, Paul's giving a speech. Oh, I'm going to L.A. 
and I'm not coming back until I have a new deal. I'm like, man, I know you're going to LA to film the rollerball thing. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, you know, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Uh, I know what's going on. So, yeah. So I, we, a lot of us already had plans, you know, to, we, we saw the writing on the wall. Absolutely, bro. Um, 23rd of December, 2000. I thought this was really important to bring up because uh, you worked with Balls one last time <clears throat> at the ECW Arena for Holiday Hell. Uh, you know, I just thought it was important because it's right near the end of ECW, but this is someone that you knew from the beginning and it kind of, it's like a coming full circle towards the end of ECW there. Uh, you know, what, is, what does Balls mean to you in your career? Balls means a lot to me. Um, you know, we were friends from high school, um, you know, very good friends before pro wrestling even was in my life. Um, he always looked out for me. He always took care of me. Um, you know, the first, I remember the first night, um, I, I did work for WWF, um, at the garden. Um, and, uh, the next night they wanted me to go up and work again at the, um, in Albany. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get to Albany. Well, John went out, got, got me a rental car, paid for the rental car. Didn't want, you know, didn't want money for it. Uh, and, you know, got me a rental car so I can go and work the next night. Um, you know, the double shot for WWF. And, um, you know, that just speaks volumes to, you know, what kind of guy he was, uh, always took care of me, always looked out for me. You know, he, um, always put me first, you know, whenever we worked, he wanted to get me over. Um, and he was like that with, with, with a lot of guys, you know, he, he wanted to get them over, showcase them, you know, let's get you a job. I have a job. Let's get you a job, you know? And, uh, and, uh, that's what, you know, he, he means a lot to me. Absolutely, bro. Um, so we get the tail end here of your ECW time. Guilty as charged, 2001, dark match. Again, the dark match master. Uh, <laughs> take it on Mike Bell, who uh, a lot of people know out there. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, um, what are your memories, again, uh, of, of that final pay-per-view? I guess a lot of people, some see the writing on the wall, others may not. This is, it was a great show, to be honest with you. When I watch it, I've seen it several times, and it was a great pay-per-view. So it seems unfathomable unfathomable for a fan to see this great pay-per-view and where things are headed and for it to be right at the end. Uh, so please tell me. Yeah. That night it was, you know, everyone knew the end. This was, this is the end. This is, there's not, you know, the, you usually get your booking sheet, you know, and you would see where you are the next few weeks. Well, all we had was the next, um, the next week in Arkansas. And those were two, you know, paid shows that somebody bought somebody in Arkansas paid to have us there. Right. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I actually didn't go to, I, I, I'm like, I'm not driving out there for, you know, not, not, not to get paid. Um, but everyone knew the writing on the wall. We had no, no upcoming bookings, knew no booking sheet or anything. And uh, I, I, to me, it, the, the feeling was, well, fuck it. We're going to go out there tonight and we're going to kill it. And we're going to go out, you know, on top. You know, we're going to show everybody what we got and we're going to go out on top. And uh, we did. <laughs> we went out there, laid it all out. And uh, it, it was a great show. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah, Pine Bluff, obviously, is the, the show, the, the final show of the real <clears throat> W. Uh, 
when do you finally, you know, I mean, you know, the writings of the wall, but when was the first time you're like, okay, like it's definitely done now. And when that happens, what is already your plan in place that you want to do uh, for your future? Yeah. When, when, when you saw Paul Heyman on WW on, on Monday night raw, yeah. You know, we used to all get together. Um, you know, we all, a lot of us live near each other. So we would go to, to Supernova's house and a lot of us would hang out. We we'd, Every Monday night, we'd watch the Monday night shows and, and things like that. And we're all sitting together. And then out comes Paul. And we just look at each other. And we're like, well, I guess that's it. Wow, you know? Man, um, you kidding me? No. Uh, yeah, no. You know, and listen, I understand, you know, the business. Businesses fail. You know, they, they go under. You, you went out of business. And you're not the first wrestling company to go bankrupt. But fuck. Send, call. Give, us, give some of us a call send me a fucking form letter, you know, an email, something, nothing like, Hey man, thanks. But you know, we can't continue. I appreciate your only work. That's all I would have taken, but not even that. And so fuck him. <laughs> yeah. That sucks, bro. I can't believe you're all together and see him come out like that. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. So you did mention WWF before and that you'd had the chance to work a couple of shots there. Uh, in my research, I didn't find anything about that. So now that I, now I can broach this subject, now that I know it's an actual thing, how did the opportunity come about? And you know, how was your experience and why do you feel it, it didn't lead to you getting signed or something like that? Um, I didn't really pursue it. After ECW folded, I, I just was like, I, I'm right back to a regular job. Okay. Um, you know, even before that, you know, um, I went back to, to the to the sub shop, you know, I went, I, I made a phone call to my buddy. I'm like, I, I need money. You know, I haven't been paid in a couple months and now, you know, that company's going under and I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to get anything off of that. So I need money, you know, and um, I was kind of uh, not into the wrestling, you know, I, I still wrestled for a couple of years. Um, but uh 2003 i kind of stopped altogether i I had you know i started having kids and uh you know i want to be with the kids and things like that you know but uh i went back to music you know wrestling a lot of guys like i remember at that time like you know john uh balls would call me and uh you know independents you know weren't paying much you know and he's hard up for money you know I, i went back to work and you know two jobs um, playing with a band, things like that. And he'd call me and be like, yeah, I have no money. Like, well, get a job, man. You know, right up the street you, you, where you used to work. Your buddy still owns the place. Go, I can't, I'm Bulls Mahoney. Well, no, you're John Reckner and you're starving, man. So <clears throat> to me, I, I never had that kind of like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, Bill, I'm wild Bill Wiles, you know. I, I'm, I'm like, no, I'm Bill Wiles. I got a fucking kid and I, I need to pay, you know, I, I need to buy food and diapers. Um, that's where a lot of those guys, I think, got, you know, get in trouble, you know, when they, they think that like, I can't because I'm somebody. Yeah. Um, and they just continue to try to, to make it at wrestling and try. And they're working these, these mud shows for a hundred bucks, 50 bucks or whatever. Um, you know, in front of 50 people, I, I wasn't about that. You know, I went back to music and I was happy. If I'm not happy doing something, I'm out, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. And yeah. Um, you know, after ECW, I was training guys for Larry. I was I was coaching for Larry Sharp at the Monster Factory, um, and then you know there were some some people there that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, you know, this isn't fun putting up with this. I'm coming out here to have a good time. So, you know, 
sorry, you know, and I, I kind of left the business. Right. And, uh, I got I got dragged back in 2009, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of left and went back to. I mean, you know, uh, about a month later, I was with a, in another band and on the road. Right. I th- I think it's really important that you you had mentioned this because. I said this to someone recently. Uh, I can't quite remember who it was, but I said to them, you know, uh, actually, I think it was, it was Chubby Dudley. It was, uh, um, yeah, one of the one of the Dudleys from back in the day before they became the other Dudley boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, you know, uh, <clears throat> you you're, you're no longer in the wrestling business. In in that company, you have this thing that's inside you to be creative to to create moments and memories. And when that's now done and you've got to try and go back to going back to a, a having just a normal job or whatever, <clears throat> this still, this creative thing is still inside you that needs to get its fixed. So I assume a lot of these guys, they need that fix because they are someone, they created these memories and moments and that can't just end now. No way, but you had music. So that yeah. at least was there for you to at least, uh, you know, get that thing in your brain of creativity out of you. Otherwise you might feel, be feeling a little bit, you know, I, I could imagine myself if I couldn't be creative, it would make me feel pretty depressed. I would say, cause it's something that's always inside of <laughs> yeah, me. So, it's, it's like a drug, you know, and, yeah. and these guys, you know, trying to fulfill that, that need, um, you know, and they'll take any show anywhere just to fulfill, you know, just to get that high again. Um, they, they can't let that go, you know, and then like, you see these guys, you know, like, why are you still, why are you still wrestling? Trying to get that high again. And um, sometimes it's sad to see. Um, I, I never wanted to, to do that, <laughs> you know, and, and, and again, yeah, you're right. I, I was lucky. I, I had music, you know, and I, I went and did that. Yeah, man. Anyway, I just thought it was really important to bring up. Uh, so I know that you're, uh, you know, you'd mentioned that you got out of the business. You work for Blue Minis 3PW in early 2002. <clears throat> um, but another important moment, I guess, as far as ECW is concerned, is One Night Stand and Hardcore Homecoming. That weekend was kind of like, as far as I'm concerned, like the, one of the last great things for ECW uh, to have, I guess, it probably be sailing off into the sunset or so we thought, but um, you know, what did you think of one night stand and were you invited to go? Um, no, I, I kind of dropped off the face of the earth. I kind of just disappeared. Um, really didn't talk to anybody at that time. Okay. Um, so no, no, I don't think anybody would have known how to contact me if they, <laughs> if they would have. Um, but no, no, I didn't really have any contact with anybody. Um, up until the um, the rebirth, like the um, the rebranding um, of uh, ECW, you know WWE, right? ECW. Okay, so did they contact yeah. you for that, or no? I was uh, actually I was working with um, I was doing uh, underground cable installations and stuff, um, and I was actually working with Jack Victory, and um, he got a call while we're on a job and they're like, Oh, come down to, uh, I think the first night was in Trenton, New Jersey. And, uh, he's like, you know, we're in the, in the truck. He's like, you you want to go, let's let, you know, we're going to go down there. I'm like, I don't want no part of that. You know, I just, I can see it's going to be a disaster (laughs) and I don't want no part of it. Have fun. Um, and uh, he actually went down there, just hung out. I think, um, I don't think he did anything. Um, 
but yeah, he he was you know he's friends with uh, Laurenitis and everything. So right, uh, that's actually who called him. Um, okay, yeah. Look, yeah. it was a disaster. Uh, and for me, I've mentioned this a few times on the show, but I had three strikes and I was out and I stopped watching WWE. It was the invasion angle, which anyone could have written and, and it would have been better <laughs> than what they did. Uh, that could have gone on for years, especially if you're including all three companies. And, uh, you know, I'm a big NWA fan when that was over within like four or five months. Well, that really upset me. But when I heard ECW was potentially coming back, I was like, oh, my gosh, I hope that they still run all the same towns and keep it, it that tight knit atmosphere in a smaller convention center type venue or the Hammerstein ballroom. And they ended up just making it like this fucking pussy version of ECW. Uh, yeah. So for me, strike three and I was done. Uh, but <laughs> I like to just say that every time I have the chance to, because it's, I'm passionate about it. Cause the only stuff I watch now is stuff from back in the day, but fast forward to 2009 legends of the arena. You take on the musketeer. I watched this earlier <laughs> as well. I actually haven't seen the legends of the arena show, but I've seen every other kind of like reunion show ECW had, but, uh, how did it feel like after all these years to get back in there and do it and, it looked like, as far as I was concerned, you hadn't missed a step. And uh, how did it? How did it go? Yeah, it was fun. That night was it was a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> actually, it was uh, Spanish Angel from the Baldies that called me, and uh, he's like, "Listen, you know, Francine's putting on a show. Uh, she wanted me to call you. Uh, she wants you to do the show." And I'm like, "Well, why didn't she call me?" And he's like, well, she knows how you feel. And she didn't want you to tell her no. So she had me call. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, I can't say no now. Um, so I, you know, I did it. <clears throat> um, and yeah, the night before, actually, a friend of mine who's a promoter, uh, in Jer- was a promoter in Jersey, was running a show. So I called him. I'm like, hey, man, I'll come up to your show. I'll work for free. I just want to get back in, get some of this ring rust off. Uh, Cause I gotta, I gotta, you know, rest. so he, you know, I went up there, uh, worked the night before bumped around a little bit, had a little bit of a match. And then, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That whole day was a lot of fun. You know, seeing guys you haven't seen in 10, yeah. eight, nine, nine years. A um, lot, lot, lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, Jamie Dundee was there, uh, one of the most <laughs> funny people you'll ever, ever talk to. If you have a chance to interview him. We have, yeah. We had PG-13 oh, on, so it was uh, yeah. quite the experience. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, he's awesome. One of my favorites. I got great stories about... <laughs> him and uh picking him up from the airport in fort lauderdale <laughs> but uh yeah it was just a, a fun time the the match the musketeer um was was fun uh you know the, the way that we did the match was w- was fun too uh because new jack was banned from the building Oh, okay. So he's banned from the ECW arena. And uh, the guy who runs the arena, I had some run-ins with him in the past in ECW, and I'm not a big fan of him. Um, so <laughs> I'm like, all right, this is how this is how I'm gonna, you know, piss the, the arena guy off okay. and still get over. Um, so the 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 guy doing the music was the ECW sound guy. Okay. So I'm like, you have new Jack's music, awesome. So just about, you know, <laughs> when things are going to, you know, looking bad for me, I need you to hit New Jack's music. The place went insane. because <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, is New Jack going to be there? I hit New Jack's music. The place goes insane. 
I see the arena guy's head fucking explode. He <laughs> thinks New Jack's coming out. And I roll the dude up for the pin, one, two, three. And I get to call everybody a mark. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I leave. Because, you know, fuck that guy. New Jack should have been there. Absolutely, and, uh, bro. Absolutely. That was, that was my little homage to, to New Jack, who I, I, I really like. So. Yeah, and no, a great guy. We had him on the show a few months back, and it was a great yeah. interview. And our most viewed interview, obviously, because it's New Jack. But uh, uh, that 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 is the best rib I think you've ever pulled. Uh, I don't know if he pulled any others, but as far as I'm concerned, it has to be number one. I mean, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I pulled a few, but that one's one of my best. <laughs> Excellent, bro. Uh, so from 2013 to 2017, you worked more prominently prominently in Monster Factory Pro Wrestling. Uh, how was it to, you know, during this stage of, of your life, how was it to get back out there and work a bit more frequently? Yeah, I mean, working there was just working with our students. You know, I was coaching there. Um, so, you know, a lot of these guys, would, would we'd have them work a couple matches their first couple matches by themselves and then they'd maybe wrestle me. Um, and then they would have to learn to not call the match, you know, from A to Z and, and things like that. And um, a lot of guys, first matches were with me, Anthony, Anthony Bennett, um, Cody Vance. Um, I think his second or third match was with me. Uh, he's an A in AEW. Um, he's under the hood. He's like, what, 10 or whatever his, his gimmick is yeah um but yeah his like second or third match was with me and, and a lot of those guys and i just really it was just, it was um fun school shows um i wasn't doing anything crazy you know just working with the students keeping it simple getting them some experience and that's really what it all was about i wasn't taking bookings you know anywhere yeah no, that's great, bro. That's you totally giving back to the wrestling business at this point in your career and helping these young guys learn. So um, many props to you for, for doing that. Uh, and I just thought that this was really important to bring up. It, 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 Bilvis Wesley on the 22nd of June, 2013 at FWF Sterling Sideburns Showdown. Apparently you face the Honky Tonk Man. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, FWF, a friend of mine run, run, runs that. They run down here in, in Delaware and they run some New Jersey stuff. And he called me and uh, yeah, he wanted um, me to work with the Honky Tonk Man who I've never met. And I'm like, I don't know about that, man. Like, you know, I, I, I really don't like the Bilvis gimmick. And now you want me to work, you know, <laughs> the guy who we stole everything from, you know, but I did. And um, he was great. We had a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's funny, you know, we're sitting in the locker room and, you know, a lot of young kids around and they're like, what are you guys doing tonight? We're like, we don't know, you know, and the, the match before us is just ending. And we haven't even talked about what we want to do. And before the music hits, I look at him, he looks at me, he's like, I don't know, we'll do something, cut you off, we'll go outside, we'll come back, we'll take it home. I go, cool, see you out there. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the young kid who was one of the managers is like, what? <laughs> like, and well, we had, a, we had a fun match and um, it was great. We had dinner afterwards and uh, he's a cool dude. Oh, that's great, bro. I just when I was looking, I was like, no way that actually happened. You two actually yeah. worked together. I walked up to him, I walked in the locker room, walked up to him. I'm like, listen, man, this wasn't my idea. This gimmick <laughs> was Paul Heyman's idea. I hate it. <laughs> he just laughed. 
<laughs> awesome, bro. Uh, so what was your last match that you had? <clears throat> oh, probably something at the um, at the uh, Monster Factory, maybe one yeah. of the Turkey Slam um, matches or something like that. Um, it's been a couple years. Um, I've got some uh, pretty bad back problems uh, I'm going through right now, um, things like that. So uh, I really haven't been able to do to do much. Like I've actually stopped coaching because if I go to, if I go to the, to the, to the school, I'm going to have to roll around. I, I, I can't stop myself from getting in and rolling around at least, you know, a little bit, but um, I, I, my, my body can't take it right now. I'm, I got some back problems going, going with, you know, going through right now. Okay. Fair enough, bro. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, <laughs> but uh, look, I, I wouldn't be me if I didn't bring it up because you'd already alluded to it, but you mentioned a story about picking up Jamie Dundee from the airport. So uh, <laughs> is there any chance you could tell that one? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, th- this trip was awesome. It was down. It was actually for um, was for the Hardcore Heaven pay per view in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And me and and uh, <laughs> me and little Guido, um, we get actually Tommy Dreamer pays us and pays for the hotel, pays for our, our rental car to drive uh, him and Beulah's bulldog to Florida. So, so the whole trip we're driving down, it's me and Guido and this dog was just in our ear the whole way. So we get down there, we get the hotel. Now everyone knows we have a free room from Dreamer. So now everyone wants a room with us. So we have like 10 people in the room. You got Tracy Smothers, Tommy Rich, like all these people are in this room. And they're like, hey, uh, Jamie's getting out of rehab. Uh, we got to go pick him up at the airport. All right. So me and Guido could get the car. We go pick up. <laughs> Jamie, he's just getting out of rehab, flying in. So he gets in the car, <laughs> gets back, get in the hotel room, opens his bag, and starts rolling a joint. <laughs> I'm like, Jamie, you just got out of rehab, man. He goes, No, nah, man, I was in for crack, man. Yeah, gotta get rid of that. Yeah, gotta stop that crack. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that doesn't make sense. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> unbelievable man he's awesome i love him yeah me too bro he, he told me that uh he doesn't do interviews anymore but when he found out that we were from australia he was like all right well i'll, I'll do it for these guys and ever since then he's been really cool and every time you know every now and then we message one another so yeah a oh, great yeah. guy just just love it i watched him follow a midget around in uh not like a wrestling midget like a, a normal you know little person in a bar just there with his friends hanging out. He followed this guy around into the bathroom. Hey, man, I'll make you a star, man. I'll make you a star. He's like, man, get away from me. He followed this guy around for <laughs> two hours in a bar, pestering this poor this poor guy. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Can you imagine what that would look like? Um, <laughs> so uh, a couple questions remaining before I get to five-second frenzy. Billy Wiles, what are you up to these days? Plug anything and everything that's going on in the world of Billy Wiles. Yeah, right now I'm just uh, just working, and I, I just started um, – my uh, YouTube vlog, my YouTube uh, page. It's a it's a travel vlog, and it's it's crazy that I, st- I started it right as this pandemic hit. And uh, <laughs> me and my wife, we travel a lot. We have a travel agency. Um, so my like, God, damn, it's been a little difficult. Um, but you know, the page is up. It's called the Wild Side, and I got my shirt here. If you you can see it. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Um, 
W-Y-L-E-S-S-Y-D-E. Uh, that's on YouTube. And right now, you know, there's a lot of, lot of Disney stuff. We're, we're big Disney fans. Um, my stepdaughter um, you know, lives in Orlando. Her and her fiance both work for Disney. And um, we go down there a lot, um, even before they were there. So there's a lot of Disney vlogs on there. But the, the, the purpose of the vlog is travel, um, not just Disney and stuff like that. With the pandemic, the only thing we'd really be able to do was go to Disney. So that's right. what's on there. I have an episode on there uh, with the Blue Meanie where we do a little Philly history, a little ECW history. We eat cheesesteaks, things like that. Okay, I got cool. some really cool things coming up. Me and my youngest son, he's 15. We're driving out to South Dakota, uh, which is, you know, it's going to be a nine day drive uh, all the way out to Mount Rushmore. Um, you know, the Black Hills area, going to see Deadwood and, you know, Custer State Park and all the things along the way. On our way back, we're going to come through St. Louis and we're going to stop in um, Louisville and we're going to meet up with uh, Supernova. Uh, we we'll do a little interview uh, with him and do a little, um, you know, Louisville history and stuff okay. with, uh, with Nova. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, the, the vlog is about travel. I'm working a little bit of wrestling in, you know, I know, I know a lot of wrestlers all over the country. So my idea is to get out there, interview these guys, a little bit of wrestling, but mostly tell me about your town. You know, what makes your, your city, your town cool? You know, why, why do I want to come to Wichita, Kansas? You know, why do I want to come here and work with a little bit of wrestling in there? So that's my idea. And uh, it's picking up right now. That's cool, man. I really like that angle. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, the best day of my life was, uh, being at Euro Disneyland in Paris, uh, 2019. That's the best day of my life. Uh, yeah. And I was at Disneyland when I was about five years old and I don't remember anything other than being in the gift shop. So, um, <laughs> but I don't know. I just wanted to, to tell you that. I don't, I don't know why I did, but anyway. <laughs> oh, nice. That, uh, that Disneyland in California or, or all uh, Disneyland Paris? Uh, so the first time when I was five, Disneyland in California, uh, I remember wearing a pink Beverly Hills 90210 shirt for whatever reason <laughs> my parents thought that was appropriate for me to wear. And then, uh, yeah, Euro Disneyland in Paris uh, 2019. So that was just nice. incredible. I'd never been on a roller coaster before. So uh, it's certainly something that I would like to wake up and then go on a roller coaster to start my day because it's just it's nothing like it uh, <laughs> uh so billy i want to ask you before we get to five second frenzy do you have any regrets from your time in the wrestling business not really no i um it is what it was um i had a great time i, I made some great friends i'm still friends with them um no i really don't have any regrets i, I the only thing i regret is maybe you know um, I, w I wish I would have stood up for myself more um, at the end of the Dangerous Alliance and, and wish I would have said something like, hey, idiots, this is not the way to end this. Yeah. You know, I kind of I kind of just went along with, you know, whatever Paul was doing, you know, whatever. All right. You want to do that? Then whatever. Um, this my only regret is that it ended poorly. Um, but no, I'm still very good friends with CW and. You know, me and Danny talk, um, you know, I still talk to Spanish Angel and uh, I, I talk to a lot of the other guys on, on Facebook and stuff and um, some great friends. And, and I have a barbecue every year um, at my house and like, you know, Joel Gertner comes down meeting and everyone gets together and it's kind of like our little, you know, no fans. We just barbecue and, and eat and drink and, uh, and have a good time. So it's getting bigger every year. Um, so, you know, my, my, um, my hope is that eventually it'd be like an ECW reunion without the fans. 
right. you know, uh, in my backyard. Like this year, I'm actually going to uh, get a bigger tent and a uh, porter potty um, because there's just too many people. Um, so, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, we all stick together. We all still talk. I make great friends. And, and that's really what it's about. You know, I, 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 I don't talk about the matches, you know, like oh, that match, that match, whatever. We talk about, you know, the fun things we did on the road together. Yeah, cool, man. Well, that's great, bro. I mean, you've been known as as wild. You've been known as beautiful, but now you could be known as barbecue Billy Wiles. Oh yeah, I'm famous for. I, you look outside. I have a smoker. I got a, I got a flat top griddle. I got my grill. I got um, my ribs are famous in the area. Nice, bro. <laughs> to the choir here, man. We love a good barbecue in Australia as well, bro. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe one day when I'm over there, I can. Uh, invite myself over uh, absolutely <laughs> okay uh billy wiles this is the segment here five second frenzy quick fire you know uh you have five seconds to answer every question but i know with wrestlers <clears throat> it takes a, a longer than five seconds to get an answer <laughs> sometimes so it's okay if you break the rule but here we go billy wiles who is your favorite wrestler and i think i know the answer uh roddy piper there we go uh, and the second one is who is your favorite opponent that you had over the years? Uh, Supernova. Excellent. The favorite match that you've ever had? Oh, God. Um, either um, any match with, with Nova. I think one of our matches we had, um, it was on a pay-per-view. And I was Bilvis. Um, that was a great match. Um, or any match with 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 balls Mahoney. Um, we, you know, a lot of the, the, the house shows I would work with Mahoney, uh, we would just go, go for it. And, uh, a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, though, any match with those two, anyone. Excellent. Uh, what's your favorite book? <clears throat> My favorite book. Um, anything written by Neil Peart. Um, like uh, any of his travel books. Um, I don't know if you know, uh, Neil Pierce, the drummer from Russia. The drummer from Russia, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I just downloaded um, um, all of his books onto, um, onto my Kindle. And uh, I listen to them while I, while I work. And um, any of those, um, I love them. Awesome, awesome. Uh, your favorite TV show? Uh, now or of all time? Of all time. My favorite TV show of all time is probably uh, Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, very awesome. Yeah, I've got a pair of Seinfeld socks. That's how big of a fan I am, I am of the show. Uh, <laughs> but also, what's your favorite TV show now? I really don't um, watch much TV now. The last show I actually got into was because of my wife. She made me was the Game of Thrones, of course. Okay. Um, um, but um, there was um, uh, what was the TV show with uh, with the with the Fonz and the George Foreman? Uh, it's never too late or something like that. Um, William Shatner. It was it was also like a travel show. Uh, they went all over the world together and they got into a whole bunch of shenanigans. Right. Um, <laughs> it was uh, that was a cool. It was only two seasons, uh, maybe nine episodes. Uh, but I got into that. Um, it was a really cool one. It was yeah. It was William Shatner, um, Fonzie. Uh, but, uh, better know, late than never. Harry, better late than never. Yeah, yeah. That was the last like real show that I, I got into myself um, without my wife forcing me to watch. <laughs> Fair enough, bro. Uh, yeah. What is your favorite film of all time? 
uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> here's a big one. You are a drummer. Who is your favorite musical artist? Uh, drummer or artist? Uh, artist in general, yeah. Uh, well, my top three bands of all time, you're going to laugh, um, is Rush, Blues Traveler, and I'm a really huge fan of Hanson. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, bro. I had the I had the Mbop single in my house when I was a kid. Yeah, I just went to see them uh, in December 2019. Nice. When yeah, I guess <laughs> I don't know if they're as uh, cute as they were back then as they are now, but uh, they're they're very good musicians. They can they're great singers. That live they can you know do three part harmony. They're, they're amazing. Yeah, good for them. Um, favorite food. <laughs> Favorite food? Uh, <clears throat> I eat chicken, uh, chicken parm. My wife makes fun of me. It's just like just everywhere we go, it's chicken, chicken parm, chicken, chicken parm. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, bro. I like it. <laughs> uh, the favorite place to eat on the road? Favorite place to eat on the road? Back then, it was like Waffle House, Steak and Shake, um, places like that. You know, Waffle House, you can get like, you know, bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich, a waffle, and grits for like three bucks. Um, wow. So it was, it was back then, it was, you know, it was, it was great. Uh, now, I, I like, uh, I don't like, I stay away from the chains now. I stay away from chain restaurants. I try to find like little uh, local joints. Like, you know, in playing this trip to South Dakota with my son, I actually went to uh, the diners, drive-ins and dives website and looked up each town we were going to be in and seeing like where they were and, and, and looking up these really like niche kind of places. Okay. Um, so that's, that's where I like to eat. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would be a really cool experience finding different places like that. But I, yeah, we always get Waffle House, Cracker Barrel and uh, Outback. Cracker Barrel is great. And stuff. Yeah. Uh, favorite alcoholic beverage. I'd have to say of all time beer, you know, being a uh, German um beer is my go-to lately i've been getting into like whiskey um i guess i'm getting older you know i, I went through a phase where it's like all just wine um i still have you know being half italian uh you know i drink wine with with dinner yeah you know um but beer is the go-to you know a good ipa is where to go very nice very nice and i'm sure you've seen that i've partaken a bit yeah. of tonight, so <laughs> <laughs> but a cat it's a it's 11 in the morning so i'm just sticking with gatorade i got a couple hours <laughs> <laughs> cool bro uh and the second last one for five second frenzy is the most naughtiest one of all it's your favorite female body part oh <laughs> i'm looking around for my wife <laughs> i like a girl's ass <laughs> <laughs> although although if, if you ask my wife it would be boobs my wife has um a, a, a big set but um and i'm always playing with them and you know but uh what i'll look at first yeah a girl's ass yeah. Very nice, bro. Very nice. <laughs> it, it always gets to laugh that one. Uh, and Billy, uh, your favorite curse word is the final one. Uh, cunt. Uh, I know it's not. It's not. Uh, you know, it's not big in America, but uh, big down here. <laughs> <laughs> I love cunt. I say cunt all the time. <laughs> I love it. The cunt is just in the regular vocabulary here. If you say, you know, it's a friend of yours. Yeah, he's a good cunt, that one. He's a good cunt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Billy Wiles, uh, I want to thank you so much for your time here today. Uh, 
been so much fun. You've been so honest and open and interesting. And you've had little stories that I didn't even know was, were going to come up. So for me, this has been a joy to learn so much about you and what you did in the wrestling business and you as a person. So as usual, right at the end, I always do my big speech and I say, you know, I hope you are proud of what you accomplished in the wrestling business. And I am, if I'm one of the three new Dangerous Alliance fans in the world. I want you to know in the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia, someone appreciated what you did. Thank you, man. Thank you. No worries, bro. And uh, thank you guys out there for watching the Insider's Edge podcast on the WCWA Network. We will see you guys next time. Thank you.